doc or like YouTube doc about how musicians during COVID have had to work on getting things to be at the same time because like it's impossible to do on Zoom. Oh my God, it's so hard. Like we sometimes, so I do a lot of Zoom prob. That is the other thing that gets me through COVID besides um, dirty fanfics that I read 24 hours a day um, is just having some outlets perform. And we've been, sometimes people will try to do that game where the two two improvisers will speak at the same time and try to um, anticipate. So you're... Trying to speak a sentence together. You guys have seen that game, right? Yeah, yeah. it is fucking impossible on Zoom. Like I, I've seen people do it, and I'm amazed. It's really hard. It's like the, the. It's just. It's you know. There are just certain things that it's difficult to. I can't imagine trying to be a musician and like no. coordinate a performance with people across Zoom. That seems really hard. Mm-hmm. We. I've been filming this uh, like a little like joke news show called yeah. The Love Love it. It. I like I still have an episode to cut that I haven't done yet just because like I have no willpower to do it um and I feel really bad but I just like don't sometimes it's to. hard to get in there and do the edit it's hard uh, I'm an editor and sometimes I don't want to do it it's just, it's just like a little hard it's like you know well, you're how hard it is for now like, too officially I, Thank you. Um, I've been working really hard at it, but like, you know, it's just, it's that executive dysfunction. Like I'm halfway there and I just like can't finish the task, you know? And it's yeah, like, no, oh, I get it. But when we were recording, um, it was so funny because like Jasmine and I had like lines that came like right back and forth and her <laughs> internet was lagging. And so I was delivering a line and then like- just... Like just waiting, and it was just the silliest thing. And it took everything like to keep it together. And I mean, there's so many just goof ups on the takes because like it was so funny just sitting there waiting for the response. Anyway, or like somebody's thing will mute temporarily, and you'll they they'll think they said the line and they didn't say the line. It's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see how um, virtual performance will continue because I don't think it's going to go away. Right. And I don't think it should. I've got, I have, and I know I've said this on the show before. So listeners, if you're tired of me hearing this, I apologize. But I have made so many friends in the last year with people in other states and other countries on these shows that I never would have met doing shows together because like they live in New York or they live in Canada or they live in Connecticut. And like, so I don't want to stop performing with these people, but I do wish Mm -hmm. the tool was better. I wish there was a better tool for this. Yeah, yeah. So I hope um, that innovation happens. I I think we'll get there because, like, I don't see it going anywhere either. Like, with stand-up, there have been so many, like, stand-up shows on virtual platforms. And, like, I don't see it going anywhere just because The overhead it's so is convenient. so low. Yeah, the overhead exactly. is so low. Yeah, you could do you can do a show. You can book comedians all over the country. You don't have to run out of space. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it you is. Don't have to pay anyone in drink tickets, like right. And and as a comedian, you're like literally like I'm gonna roll out of bed. I'm gonna slap some makeup on. I'm gonna sit in this chair. And if I want to leave, I can fucking leave. <laughs> like, exactly. I, I don't have to smell like smoke when I go home. Uh, right. You know, it's like well, I mean, yes, we miss performing live. I think oh, the other right. aspect <laughs> is the interactivity with the audience. That stuff is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. I would, Sorry, you were you were gonna speak to that. No, I just like I hope that's one of the things that you know we come around on is like how to have an audience react without like silencing the performers. You know, it's just the this isn't the right platform for that, which yeah. is so hard because like so much of comedy is being able to react off the laughter, and it's like it's been a hard year just learning how to do it without getting any laughs. It's <laughs> tough because you're like, is this dying? I don't know. But it's, and it's yeah. the same thing with improv. You're like, at this point, we're just performing for each other because we don't know. And people are in right. your Zoom or chatting with you and telling you what's funny, but you don't know what the audience is doing at all. So it's like, if there's a way to be able to hear them without them cutting out your audio or having them to be able to be involved with the show. Or uh, Sarah, uh, you went to that screening, Michelle Crusoe's screening, right? Yeah. Uh, they did an event where um, they did a, sc- a screening, but the audience could do live reactions. So like when when they wanted to clap, they clapped the they clicked the clap thing. If, if something was funny, nice. they clicked the laughter emoji. And it was like it doesn't replace the sound of laughter, but it did give you a sense of, oh, this part is funny or this part is somebody's upset yeah. about this part. They're giving me the sad emoji <laughs> or, you know, like and the audience would see other people clapping and would hit the clap emoji. And it was like, right some way to make it less one-sided and so if there's a way to do that I think 
that would be really fucking cool because there is a lot of potential here i think mm-hmm. uh to 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 do to have wider reach of an audience for people who don't can't afford to rent a space to put on a show yeah and to work with people across like geography doesn't matter you know Right. And especially with like venues closing right now, like Highland Inn mm-hmm. just switched management and is closed, you oh. know, indefinitely. Oh so. my God. Wait, what do you mean? No, no. I knew Highland that was Inn coming. is gone. So Robert's, yeah. Robert's gone. Um, I don't know if they're keeping any of the staff or anything. I honestly haven't talked to Robert and Josh about it, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, Joe posted a status the other day basically saying that it's switched owners and he doesn't know really what the future holds for it. So, like, yeah. you know, we're looking for other venues for when we're finally able to, like, come back and do Black as Fuck performances because we had one on the books mm-hmm. coming up and, like, we had one mid-year last year that we were supposed to do and, you know, we kept emailing them, like, maybe in September the virus will be gone. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, same. Like, I we, that's yeah. the place that we did. We were doing all of our live shows and I was hoping to come back and do one and I don't know uh I've honestly uh I know this isn't a podcast about how to do live shows but I'm like I'm like <laughs> maybe I need to rent a studio space and do some kind of live stream show if I can't find if I can't afford to rent a space you know like right. you know oh, we that's, that's an idea you know but get a couple of black magic cameras do a live stream have a very small audience and live stream the show I don't know and that's that's where my head's at because I just don't yeah. know what venues are going to be available to small groups like us I mean I don't know I don't even we don't I, I don't want to speculate about what's going on with the village theater here in Atlanta Georgia but I've heard nothing about them I don't know how they're doing dad's garage seems to be doing okay yeah dad's um, has been keeping up with stuff but yeah they've got I mean, a lot of corporate sponsorship so they'll probably be okay yeah and like I know Laughing Skull has been struggling too like any place I feel like that's really dependent on live theater has mm-hmm. really struggled this year because like you know, it's just – I think Laughing Skull is opening back up soon. I don't know. Uh, maybe don't put that out. Just maybe beat okay, me I'll out cut, on I'll that. Cut, I don't know if that. I'm supposed to. Okay, I'll, cut that, I'll cut that part out. Um, so that yeah. maybe a secret. Uh, yeah, I think, like, venues have been closing right and left, and we're not speculating as to which places are going to stay open or close, but for us as performers and writers, and it's, it, it's, it's scary to think what yeah. is it going to be like when we get back out there. Um, I know lots of theaters that have been closing around the country and, uh, you know, yeah, uh, people doing GoFundMes to try to keep their theaters open. And it's just, you know, we hope that there'll be a room for people yeah. to play once we can all be back together again. I really hope so. Like I saw a post from a comedian that I actually never got to meet because we were supposed to meet when I went to um, Pittsburgh to do a show last year. Mm-hmm. And literally it, my flight was like four days after lockdown and I ended up having to cancel my trip and everything and the whole festival that I was in got canceled but he was posting how one of the comedy venues up there shut down and so they like uh, a few comics I guess they they broke into the place to record one last comedy album in there and recorded like recorded one last comedy album in the space um just to like kind of give it a send-off but yeah yeah it's It's a lot of places we're not going to get to say goodbye to you know yeah. Um, but anyway, whew, I'm going to get emotional before the show even starts. I know. <laughs> um, welcome to the Feminine Mistake Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nicole. I'm your other host, Sarah. Who seems, I think she's just taking in the fact that the Highland and Ballroom is, I don't know. Is that what you're feeling right now? I can't tell. No, it's um, the, the re- reunion yeah. of Nicole and Hillary. <laughs> Where we just shooting the shit here. Uh, yes, our guest, special guest today, uh, you've already heard her voice, um, a writer, comedian, uh, actor, director, she does it all, uh, and uh, also uh, an original host of the Feminine Mistake podcast. OG Hillary host. Uh, Hillary R. Heath, thank hey. you for coming back to talk to us. Hillary! Um, of course. I like couldn't pass up a gully on Meryl Streep. Holy no. shit. You know, no. I like, couldn't say no. Movie. Uh, I can't <laughs> believe we didn't do it up until now. Uh, so this was on our, was it on our list? I feel I like, feel like I, I feel like, this. Hillary, I feel like you maybe proposed this at one point. I, I feel like it had to be on one of our original lists it and it was one of, one of those that we just like, you know, it was like, well, just overboard would be a better one, you know? Off. Yeah. yeah. And like, I don't know if I suggested it or what, but I've never seen this movie before. Oh, so. Okay. <laughs> 
so the, the film we're doing today is Death Becomes Her, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, before we do, uh, what have you guys been watching? I know we talked a lot about live shows and how virtual shows. Uh, what have you guys been watching on the, on the TV or the computer, or however you're consuming your content these days? Hillary, let's start uh, with you. I, I've actually been doing a lot of rewatches recently. Nice. Um, I, yes, I did. Um, I re- recently rewatched uh, Modern Family and The Mindy Project. Oh, both. my God. Sarah and I were together watching The Mindy Project. We kind of stalled out, I think, once they got to Hulu. <sighs> I mean, I definitely think this season – I don't know, man. It just – I was kind of disappointed, too, because the later seasons, Guy Branham was involved, too, and I really like him mm-hmm. as a comedian. And I just mm-hmm. – I guess I didn't realize – like, he, he has, like, a cameo in a couple of episodes, and mm-hmm. I think he had directed some and mm-hmm. you know maybe wrote or produced on it and I was like well because like the later episodes I mean it was it got to be a hate watch by the end and I was just, yeah it was I a tough yeah. yeah I really didn't like her and Danny together and I just like wish there was a better way that they did that and it was just every man I was just like can we just have like one that she doesn't have to fix like yeah. that's yeah. what the whole show was, was that her fixing wo- man after man after man's dream Hillary is to fix up a man. No, that's not we're told. I want mine already made. (laughs) Right. Um, And Fortune Feimster was also uh, in some of the later episodes, I think. Yes. Um, Yeah, she was. Yeah. I I, I feel like I'm hating on the mini project. I love that show. I just did not love. I don't know how far we got. It was like season five or six, maybe that I, I just, at that point I was like, I don't. I don't connect with the show right now, no. I think, was what right. was going on there. I mean, it's just, uh, since I've been working at home, you know, it's nice to just, like, kind of have something on in the background sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, it's, like, mm-hmm. it's a good background show. It wasn't amazing. Um, but I also watched her other one, Champions, that she did with... Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. Who's the actor? It's He's also in Mindy Project. I can't remember his name. From Workaholics. Um, yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about, who played Casey, her the boyfriend yes. that goes to... He's like a Doctors yeah. Without Borders guy. I know exactly oh, who you're talking about. Oh. Yeah. I don't know the actor's name. He's he's hot though. He's, I find he's him, really hot. I find him physically attractive. Yes. He's really attractive. But he um he also was in Champions, her other show that she made after Mindy Project. Right. Mm-hmm. But it focuses on him. And I really liked it, but I went back and rewatched it and it like does not hold up because it's also oh. Fortune Beamster. And it was like mm. uh, you know, it was he he plays kind of a uh, like a middle class white dude who's like a little more conservative, and they did a good job in the Mindy Project, I think, with the more conservative characters. Mm-hmm. But this one, it was really just beating you over the head with like, "I'm a racist," you know. And it's and like, like Anders Home, yeah. Anders Home. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. Okay, well, maybe should I give the rest of Mindy Project a try or just give it a shot? But if I'm you really want to do a rewatch, I would do Modern Family. Uh, it was that's a, a good one. Was, it was a great rewatch. That one was, it holds up. It's a good one. I never finished that one either. Not because I didn't want to. I just like, it kind of just yeah. left my headspace. Um, Same. I realized I hadn't finished it and it's on Hulu. So I was like, might as well just do it again. Yeah. And it, was, it was, it holds up. All right, cool. I want to, I want to tell the story of the show. I have not re- rewatched. I've not been, oh, please a re- re- rewatch because it's on Peacock now. No, I don't want to buy Peacock. I'm not buying you any guess, more shit. You, you don't have I'm to buy Peacock. About? Are you talking about? I don't. Are you talking about the Office? Yes. Peacock is free with commercials. With commercials? what the fuck? Really? Yeah. Holy shit! Really? Oh. Do you just go yeah, on I, there? Mm-hmm, yeah, you just sign up for an account, but it's free. I watched the all of the Harry Potter movies on there like a couple months ago. Oh. Wait, the peacock the 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 bird owns Harry Potter? Yeah. Harry Potter. I don't know if it's still on there because you know it bounces around, but it was on there for a while, and I watched all eight movies. Warner Brothers, like, I believe, is who owns uh, yeah. Harry Potter. But it was like the first three had no commercials because you know they're geared more towards kids, and as you got up into the adult content, they still they started having commercials. I feel like we're all getting a lesson in which studio owns what property as we're all mm-hmm. trying to figure out which fucking app we need to buy. Like, like all of them. This is a Warner Brothers mm-hmm. property. Okay, I'm gonna have to go to Peacock for that. You know, we need like Nicole was talking about how we should we are gonna need like 
bundles. It's going to go back to cable where they're going to bundle apps again, probably. Well, I don't know, but Apple Apple TV does bundles. So I because I have like stars and one other one through mm-hmm. my Apple TV, and so like yeah. I go to the Apple TV app to sign. But we into need like it. a Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max. Uh, oh, they'll Amazon never. Prime. Those big wigs are never going to agree to that uh i think amazon does the same thing because i've got my hbo through amazon um so it's like pick your uh pick your warlord that you want to you know yeah yeah (laughs) internet warlord that you want to go through uh so sarah so sarah's told us what she hasn't been watching is there something you have been watching sarah uh so let's see um I've just watched stuff for the podcast. I know. That's me too. I was like, I haven't really watched anything except for stuff for these shows. Um, we're doing what are you guys two, doing? We're what juggling you- two of them now. <laughs> what are you doing besides watching TV? Like what else is um, there? To I have do? a job and I have a, a boyfriend. Uh, oh, well, fine. Rub the boyfriend in my face. Maybe I had a boyfriend. I've watched oh, the family. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, well, last week I took a avid certification class. So that took up a lot okay. of my, headspace actually i literally did nothing but read about avid 24 7 for like six straight days i get i woke up today still dreaming about avid and thinking that i had to take a test today oh my god that sounds like work it was (laughs) no uh well you know it it was good it's been a while since i've been on that side of the table where you're the student where and i i like i legit guys i legit had a panic attack during the first exam i was like i was just like i had to do some deep breathing it was like i haven't had a panic attack in a long time but i just i put way too much pressure on myself to do well uh because i was like my job paid for this test and if i don't pass then i can take it again but then you know i'm so my chris is watching the children and making me food and taking care of me all week so that i can do this class and i just i felt like all this pressure to do well so I, i i i didn't watch as much as TV as I would like. What else am I doing, Hillary? I'm reading Dirty Fix. That's what I spend most of my time doing. If I'm not watching an Andy Samberg or Adam Driver movie or something for this podcast, I am reading Dirty Dirty Fix on nice. uh, on Archive of Our Own. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Sarah, so what have you been watching? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've been watching, let's see. Um, and if you haven't, that's okay too. Because um, I know... We have we're juggling two podcasts there was now. Something. Is um, it a serial killer documentary? Oh, it's a um, it's a film. It was uh, so Sam and I searched for Steve Martin um, films. Ooh, that's good. And stuff. Um, we found one that the top one on the on the search was one that he narrated as the dog. It was like a holiday rom com. What? Um, called love the love i have never heard of this hold so a steve on. martin now was it like a was it like a a uh, who's look who's talking kind of situation where he's the dog and he's speaking the dog's thoughts is that what we're talking about here uh no he uh, um, or more of a what was that movie with the animals? It was a cat and a dog. Yeah, that always uh, made me cry. Homeward Bound, Homeward Bound, or Milo and Otis. Oh, yeah, God, Milo and Otis. I can that movie like brings tears to my eyes just thinking about it. Every time, it's so good. Love oh. the Cook Cook Hoopers. It's Love a Hoopers. holiday rom com. Okay, it is. Okay. Uh, is this sweet. something we should watch for the show at, at Christmas time? Uh, no, no. <laughs> like, so I'm not watching that again. Please don't make me talk about that for an no, hour. No, it's it's not it's not that it was bad. It was ple- pleasant. It was enjoy- enjoyable. It was cute. It just isn't. There's not much to discuss. Okay. Um. But okay. yeah. So we watched that, and that's basically um just stuff for the podcast and that. So I know I've got you right. watching <laughs> movies every week, basically at this and point. Cuckoo, so. And that cuckoo. That's show, right. Yeah. We did have to get through like six episodes. Uh, by the way, Hillary, if you're looking for something to watch, Cuckoo on Netflix is a fun season time. One. Just season, season one. one. Fuck all the other seasons. Don't, don't. Just season one. Uh, okay. It's okay. fun. Andy Samberg is playing a uh, like a 
uh, a, like a dirty hippie, hippie. character who dirty hippie. a girl brings home her dirty hippie boyfriend that she married on husband. a beach. Husband, that's right. Elope. Husband. They eloped and now he has to fit in with their straight laced family or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's okay. cute. It's a cute delight. show. Okay. It's Did you guys watch Palm Springs for your podcast? Palm Springs, we watched on this podcast, this podcast. Okay. and it inspired the other podcast. So the reason the we okay. started okay. the other podcast was because of we Palm Springs. joked on the episode of Palm Springs that we should start an Adam and 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 Andy podcast and then I I I messaged Nicole I was like she was like but what if we did right we're doing this right uh and then here we are like 13 episodes later uh into that (laughs) show which we I love doing Uh, yeah I had been watching a lot of Adam Driver movies and so for some reason we felt like we wanted to like merge those into a show and uh, also I did a because it's quarantine thirst is what it is um but yeah, and then I did a. I got to be Sarah in this Palm Springs reading that uh, they put together last night, which Hell was yeah. fun. That was super fun. That's really cool. It made me think like I want to act in a movie. Like I love acting in sketches and improv and stuff. But I was like, I want to like, I want to like be in an actual movie where there's like a journey and shit. You, you know, be. right? Your own mo- 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 <laughs> movie. Well, speaking of movies, we should probably uh, talk yeah. about this week's movie uh which is death becomes her 1992 i was but a wee middle schooler when this came out i Um, was but a four-year-old i was turning 28 when this movie came out that's 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 true i was 28 that tracks out um (laughs) so uh Death Becomes Her. Gosh, I've written down so many bullet points here. Uh, before we get into it, let's talk about all of our experiences with this movie prior to the show. Let's start with our guest, Hillary. Uh, any experience with Death Becomes Her before? So, I mean, I had to have seen a clip of this or, okay. so, you know, know something about yeah. it. But I had never seen it. And I actually, this weekend, my dad was out of town. So I called my mom because I was like, I need to do some laundry. And I was like, but also I have to watch this movie. Do you want to watch it? And she was like, oh my God, Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn. Yes, I'll watch it with you. Yeah. And so my mom was so excited because she was like, it's so funny. And um, that was that was basically it. Like my mom like was raving on the phone about it. And I was like, okay, well, don't tell me anything about it. I just want to see the movie. Um, oh, well, that's lovely. I'm glad you guys got to watch great. that together. Uh, yeah, yeah Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep were. I wish Bruce there were Willis. more movies with them together. And Bruce Willis. Yeah. I have my feelings about him, but um, we'll, right. we'll get we'll get there. <laughs> uh, he did a good job in the movie. I just like his character. Um, uh, Sarah, uh, what about you? Have you? You're the one who suggested this, and I know it was on our first episode, the season where you talked. You were the one who put forth this movie, so finally so we're watching it. This is a favorite of mine from childhood. When I was a kid, we would go to Blockbuster, and I think one time I saw the cover, and I was like, "Let's take this home." And my mom was like, "Okay, like sure." I think she had she had already seen it and like knew like it was okay. Um, I watched this over and over and over again when wow. I was like eight, nine. Okay. Like, uh, I like it was one of those movies, like the the the, the Lion King or something, where you like memorize all the lines. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I really this was like your I, overboard. That was my yes. movie that I memorized all the lines for. Yeah. Mine was Miss Congeniality, <laughs> which we should also watch for the show. I feel like. But like, I just loved this film, and I knew it was silly. Like, I always knew it was silly, but I, that's what I loved about it. It was. I feel like kids are more into the things that are very broad and very like uh uh obvious like things that Mm -hmm. are very like this is obviously this um and so i just thought this was yeah not a lot of subtlety here that's for sure no right that's good i think if you're a kid (laughs) for kids that's awesome wow so this is a big i'm interested to hear your thoughts on it now watching it as an adult um i also had seen this movie uh i love goldie hawn i love meryl streep um I, Bruce Willis, uh, take him or leave him, honestly, for me. Uh, I do love him in Pulp Fiction. He's great in these movies. I just like, I'm not here for the Bruce Willis. I'm here for the Goldie Hawn and the Meryl Streep, if that's what's drawing me to the movie. Um, and the uh, Isabella Rossellini. Oh my God, she's so yes. good in this movie. I think I, I think, I think I saw this in the movie theater. Uh, I it feels like something I saw in the movie theater. I don't have really solid memories of this. It's just kind of always been around. Uh, I remember thinking to myself that I liked that there were two female leads. 
uh, that was not very like that wasn't a common thing uh, in growing up in that in that time period. So that was something that I liked. And uh, but then uh, now watching it, I have a really different perspective on it uh, than I did back then. It was fun and silly, but now I kind of see some some nefarious things underneath that I that I look forward to talking about. Yeah. Um, all right. So that is all that's all of our experiences with this film prior to the podcast. So let's get into talking about this movie. The house is a mess, Jack. The kids are a mess, Jack. You're a mess, Jack. You have been a total bitch ever since you came to New York. You seem sort of distant. What's this doing here? You look stupid and rich. Stupid and stupid and rich. Fascist. All right. Let's get into it. Did anybody, there's like a video going around of Tom Holland. Like, I swear to God, it's Tom Holland doing a press interview and he's wearing like a suit up top, but then like no pants. Yes. Oh, I've seen that. Yes. Like that's the that's the shit right there. Are these celebrities even going to go back to doing interviews outside of their homes? Like I wouldn't. Why? It's like just I've got a black. Like if I were Tom Holland, I'd be like, I got a black magic. I got I got a ring light. I'll do as many of these in one day as you want. But you're not you're not getting my face. Like I'm not going to go to London. You can just call me from my room. (laughs) Just call me. I've got a great setup and got a backdrop. We're good. You can talk to me for an extra 20 minutes if you want to, if I don't have to come to you, you know? Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, Death Becomes Her, 1992, directed by Robert Zemeckis, uh, who was having a lot of success at this time. What uh, Lies Beneath. What Lies Beneath. Did he also okay. direct, I believe he also directed Forrest Gump, right? Forrest Gump. Correct. So this would have, oh. I think this was. Pre Force Gump, time. big pre, time. Pre or post Force Gump. Pre Force Gump. Pre yeah. Gump. So he was uh, having a string of successes at this point. Uh, gosh, uh, there's so much we can talk about. Uh, I really would love to start with this opening musical number. That's what I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Madeline, I didn't write down her last name, played by Meryl Streep. Madeline's opening musical number. Oh gosh, there's so much to dig into here. Um, so. Yeah. Mad- it starts with Madeline having a some kind of Broadway show. Mm-hmm. By the way, I just want to point out the first thing I did as soon as this movie started was look up everyone's ages because this movie is Ooh, so okay. focused on youth You're and right. aging. You're right. Okay. So Meryl Streep, when this movie was made, 40. Okay. 40. Okay. She was my age. Okay. 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 I'm 41. She was three years younger than I am now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh Meryl Streep is 40. Uh Goldie Hawn 45. Uh okay. Isabella Rossellini 38. So that joke where Meryl Streep says you look 38 was spot on because she actually was 38. Uh awesome. and uh Bruce Willis was 35. Ooh. And he looks okay. the oldest to me of everyone. And I'm he like, okay, because so like old. earlier you said, like you said I don't come to the movie for like Bruce Willis and I was like but some of them I do you know but then I, and when I heard he was in this I was like okay I can watch Bruce Willis for an hour and I don't I was like oh god what did they no, do to him playing, he's playing yeah a, he's uh, a real grumpy. sad sack in this movie um, he really is I feel like my uh, not that this is a third podcast about Bruce Willis but peak Bruce Willis hotness for me honestly is Pulp Fiction Honestly, it is. It he, truly is. Bruce Willis hotness for me. I would. I would take Die Hard Bruce Willis too. But like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's cute. I'll pinch. It, I'll pinch one of his. I'll pinch his tushy uh, for oh, Die yeah. Hard. I will. Sarah looks horrified. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I want to talk about this musical number because it starts with her. I we can assume because this is seven years ago. I, I'm confused about the timeline. I, I guess she's supposed to be fifty in the present timeline. Which, if that was seven years ago, she would have been in her early 40s. Right. Yeah. Because she says that Helen is 50. That's what she says. So let's assume. Isn't it it 14 years? Because wasn't there like a two, like a a seven, and then it was seven years, and then she was still out of the clinic or going to the clinic. So she would have been in like her late 30s, right? Yeah, and they're talking about like well, talk about reviving the dead. I'm like this. I was like, she's a young woman. <laughs> she does not look old to me. And I get that I am old. I get that I'm 41, but you're I don't feel old. old. I don't feel old, like right? I look well, like not. an old person. They you're worked not. so hard to make Meryl Streep look old. They worked so yes. hard. They put liver spots on her hands. You guys, I, I on know. her hands. 
I don't think my mother, who is 68, even has liver spots on her hands. No, I was sitting right next to my mom and I like did like a sly like little <laughs> peek. I was like, oh my God, is this like something I've never noticed like before? I was like, stop looking at my hands, Hillary. <laughs> my um, and like, I was like, because my, my mom is six, is she 61? She just yeah. turned 61 in January. And yeah. so I'm like, like what? <laughs> I was like, how I does Dream somehow look older. In they this worked movie. hard. They made her hair look old. They made her, everything. So like, yeah. I, and I think that was part of the thing. And we can talk about that. But the musical number also, the song seemed to be about every little box that a woman gets put into. Right. All the categories you can shove a woman into. That's what that musical was about. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting way to set up the movie, which is, I think, Gosh, I, I don't know if it's time to talk about this yet, whether the movie is aware of this, but it feels to me like the movie is about all the boxes we get put into. Mm-hmm. Now, whether the movie is self-aware yeah. enough to know that's what it's about, I uh, question. Yeah. Uh, but it is about those boxes, specifically young and thin and beautiful and able to keep your man. I think it is aware. Is I, it? I think it is. Okay, plead your case, because I don't think so. Uh, I feel like the entire plot of the movie would not make sense why they would even make this movie if they were not aware of it. Because that's the entire idea of the film. Okay. Is, I, I get that. <laughs> like if they were, if they were just like, it would be the, the dumbest thing of all time if they were not aware of it. Sure. So, right. And of course the film is about two rival, two women grew up together, rivals, Helen played by the... Uh, Goldie Hawn and Goldie Hawn. Uh, Madeline, played by Meryl Streep, and they uh, Ma- Madeline is obsessed with youth and staying young, and uh, and so she finds this sort of uh, immortality serum that allows her to do that, and then chaos ensues. Uh, Sarah, yeah. what do you have as one of or Hillary? Anybody want to jump in with the next point of the movie or any topic that you want to discuss here? Well, I also like so when they go backstage after mm-hmm. the musical number too. Mm-hmm. I just like um, she calls her. It's Mel. Uh, is it? Uh, is it Mel and Hell? What they call each other? Yeah. Um, mad, and, mad and Hell. Mad, mad, mad and Hell. Yeah. That's it. And I was Ooh, like, that's an interesting kind of connotation yeah. to that. Yeah. I noticed that throughout the whole thing that she called her Hell, and I was like, all right. I was like, that's kind of interesting, especially. I don't know. It's also just like you know, Goldie Hawn was always in red and like all this other stuff. So I was just like, oh, what a Actually, you know, cool little nickname for her. You know, oh, Sarah, look at you. I know Sarah. Sarah <laughs> dressed appropriately today with a red. If uh, those of you guys who are watching the vidcast can see this, but if you're listening to the show on Spotify or what have you, uh, Sarah's wearing a red blouse. Uh, to commemorate the costuming and red lipstick and red lipstick of this sexual sexual sex sensual penis that's how I'm gonna seduce a man next I've learned a lot from this movie right? yeah, like, I'm just gonna send work? that over tinder just sexual <laughs> sexual like sensual. With, like with an asterisk so that he knows it's italicized yeah, um, yeah and, and red lip emojis on either sides yes. of it you know yes. so he really knows he will not be able to resist you yeah um thank you <laughs> um yeah can we let's I'd like to talk about Madeline and Helen's relationship friendship female friendship toxic female friendship is it a friendship I don't know it seems obligatory to me Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like they're friends like they Mm -hmm. even say don't they say at the beginning like how long has it been don't you say how long it's been since we've seen each other you know like and it's like they don't they don't hang out they don't talk you know she didn't know that uh, like Madeline didn't know that Helen was engaged they're not friends like you know it's frenemies Right. It's kind of like that person in your life, but it's that person in your life that you compare yourself to the whole time, you know, that you're like, is so-and-so getting married? Are they doing better than me? Have they gotten more money than me? Like, you know, you all, I feel like it's natural to have like a competition with someone, but that's what their relationship sort of seemed like more to me was almost like a sibling that you kind of, you're not friends with. I want to be better than this person. As right, long as yeah. I'm doing better. So what were you going to say, Sarah, about their what you think their relationship is? Yeah. So I think that 
it is like the movie tells us they're friends, but it doesn't actually seem like they're friends. Like I feel like it's just it just tells us they're friends. And I don't yeah. think that two women like that would actually be friends. And also, where did they meet? How did they meet? Why are they? Well, it seems why? like they knew each other when they were kids because they eventually have a fight where Madeline mm. says that she was not invited over to Helen's house because Helen's family thought she was cheap. Mm-hmm. And to get back at her, she's been stealing Helen's boyfriends her whole life. Yeah. Which also was weird how Helen wanted um, Bruce Willis with er- Ernest mm-hmm. to pass the, ma- the, 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 the Madeline Ashton test. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah. So I just feel like, and you know what? He didn't pass. And so you he didn't. You, you, you dodged a bullet, girl. Yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll, I just want to come out and say this right now. I have a real problem with the fact that this whole movie hinges on the fact that Ernest is some kind of catch. Ernest yeah. is trash. He's some little loser hanger on. I mean, he's horrible. He is not attractive, even at the very beginning of the film. He looks dopey and weird. And, and then, so he's wearing a toupee. <laughs> he is exactly. He is a bloated. We'll get to what the quote is, but he's a he's an alcoholic undertaker. I feel like well, Helen dodged yet. a bullet. Yes, but that's what he becomes. Right, right. Because in the beginning, he's Madeline. like a plastic surgeon. Right. Is it Madeline's fault? What did she do specifically to make him a alcoholic? And who who is kind of abusive, frankly, he does try to choke his wife and pushes her down the stairs. Right. When he's after he's been pushed. But Sarah, would you push someone down the stairs or choke them just because they made you angry? Exactly. I also like our trash. Well, in our first introduction to their relationship is when she's getting breakfast in bed and she's like I find it hard to believe my husband woke up early and made his side of the bed you know it's he's not even coming back to bed anymore there's obviously something that's broken in their relationship that's a problem you know between the two of them and I do think that like if you're gonna steal somebody and you know marry them you know it it, out of spite you're building a relationship on a rocky foundation anyway but it's his fault he doesn't give a second thought to immediately leave like he is immediately like fuck you Helen immediately and the guy has vodka for breakfast okay like that is not Madeline's fault can I just say though like I would that's like everything I would love that to just wake up to somebody just like pressing a a chilled bloody Mary against my cheek he he shouldn't he really shouldn't complain he's got it made I know he does. And like, also, I think that we're like led to believe that a lot of that is his money. And I don't see how, because no, I, I don't end, think you know, so in, in one of their arguments, like, when did you perform last? You haven't performed in blah, blah, blah. Bitch. I, right. I'm like, she's got a movie career. She's still on television. There's her old movies are being rerun. Exactly. Like you didn't buy this with your spray paint funeral face medicine or money, you know, like, no. come on, dude. So ugh. I think that. Both Matt, Madeline, and Ernest are sleazy, sleazy, sleazy trashy pee, 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 Oh, for sure. Pee. Oh, for sure. But I think that Ernest they push each other to, to be worse. Absolutely, but Ernest is nothing to fight over, and that's the sort of the crux mm-hmm. of my problem here. Is that the whole movie hinges on like why wouldn't Helen just fucking why why what is so great about Ernest that she's she can't give him up? Why is what is so great about Ernest that Madeline can't just kick his ass out like I just I don't understand why these two amazing powerful women want this fucking schlubby asshole and I feel like that is a common theme that I see in multiple movies where Mm -hmm. it's where no male screenwriter thinks anything is wrong with two beautiful powerful bad bitches fighting over a slubby schlubby loser and that that is the crux of my problem in this movie is that Ernest is trash and he's just not worth it he's not worth it that's I how don't I feel. see them as. I, I guess I don't see the the women as being that great. They're not so. good people. They are not right. good human beings. But they don't need him. Right. Yeah. They're both successful in their own right and could have been happy and moved on and found someone else. You know, and been yeah. probably less terrible. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Madeline has a hot 
boyfriend already. And and yes, they have mm-hmm. to knock her down a peg by having him tell her he's doing her a favor because God forbid a woman in her 40s have a hot young boyfriend in a movie. God forbid. Yeah. Right. I think this movie is more about Meryl Streep's character chasing youth and um uh what's her name? Goldie Hawn's character seeking revenge. And revenge for the sake of a past hurt as opposed to she doesn't want him back. Like she's they're not five fighting over him. He's just there and they're trying to eventually try to use him to take care of themselves. But I I didn't see them as trying to fight, fight, fight over him. I I told you know what? That's valid. And I, and I, and I, I think that's fair, but I want to take us to the next point here, which I have is, my next big problem, which is the whole fat suit thing and the frosting eating and all of that. And like, let's yeah. the whole yeah. fucking, if you got like, fuck that whole scene, but also like yeah, the revenge the is still hinging on the fact that, that Ernest was taken from her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. to be honest, once you, once you see Ernest, you should, if I were Helen, I would be like, Wow fuck I, first of all I'm never gonna talk to Madeline again because fuck that bitch but also man I really dodged I almost married that guy I right. almost married that guy I dodged a bullet but they you could know? have had a, a deeper connection like that they didn't sh- they didn't, they hinted at it a few times I didn't, that they- I didn't feel it <sighs> I didn't, I didn't feel it. either, especially since at the beginning, too, when they even go to the show, she's like, oh, I didn't realize you were such a Madeline blah, blah, blah fan, you know, and he's like going nuts for her. And it's like she didn't, he didn't even he it didn't almost seemed her. in those moments like he had used Helen to get close to Madeline in order to do this and be with her. You know, mm. it, that's what that it seems, seems like to plausible. me in the beginning because, yeah. you know, Goldie Hawn's character, Helen didn't even know, you know, that he was such a fan and like then he meets her and like fangirls out so like they obviously didn't know each other that well even though they're getting married you don't like you don't know that this he's like mad for this weird broadway actress like (laughs) most men don't have that you know they're not that big of fans of this so you'd know yeah yeah i feel like if I had seen some kind of deeper connection there or something. Also, like, I have a real problem, and this is not the first movie that I've seen do this, where it's like, woman gets dumped, she immediately, now we got to put her in a fat suit, make sure she's eating frosting for breakfast. And Uh, I actually didn't have a problem with her. With her fingers. I didn't have a problem with her rewinding Helen being murdered over and over again. I thought that was great. That was a great story point. But like the whole thing of like, let's put her in the fat suit and then let's get her in a, now she's so crazy. Now we got to put her in a mental institution where the whole therapy session revolves around her not talking about the problem that got her here in the first place, because apparently mental health is about just like pretending that it didn't happen. Yeah. And like screaming at your patient, and a therapist like, wow, top notch. Screaming at her, <laughs> yeah. wow, yeah, no, like, that was the one thing. Like when I re- rewatched this, that I was, I was like, whoa, you know, like the rest of it, I was like, I remember this, like this is how I remember. But that the therapist scream, scream, screaming at her was like. Yikes. Also, like just a, a woman who's needed to be on a mental health hold, just going eliminate her, eliminate her, doesn't like doesn't strike me as like healed and ready to be released into nope. the general no. don't public think, again. Don't think so. No. You know. <laughs> uh yeah, so again, I want to say that what I do think is great about this movie is to have two women who are unapologetically awful. I love yes. that. I and love I the anti-heroes. Yeah. Love it. Um and uh I even love that this movie acknowledges that women are expected to be young unreasonably so because there was nothing wrong with Meryl Streep's fucking face in the first place nope. uh and uh young and thin like they're, they're supposed to fit in these boxes or they have no worth I'm yeah. and I think that that is great I don't think the movie is self-aware enough to comment on that in a uh in any kind of uh way that forwards the conversation about that and it I'll get to why no, I, I agree. To, it doesn't okay. forward it. It uses it yeah. as a cr- a joke. It yeah. uses it as a joke and it uses, uh, and I might as well say this now, my biggest, uh, besides 
Ernest being trash and the fact that and I'll I'll bring my my point back around to Ernest because I'm not done with him yet. Uh, but I'll wait until the end for that. But my second biggest problem with this movie is that the movie is not self-aware enough to go. The problem is the box. Yeah. The movie says the problem is the woman. Mm-hmm. The movie says Madeline is a terrible person because she wants to be young all for the rest of her life. Helen is a terrible person because she wants to be thin and beautiful so that she can get revenge. Uh, they yes. what they what the movie doesn't do is say the Society these women had is, no other option than to yeah. be this way because of the box we put them in. The movie yeah, isn't right. self enough aware to say that. That's my big Correct. problem with the movie. Correct. Yes, I would agree with that. Yes, but I love watching Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn just love fucking. It shoot each other with shotguns and shit for two hours that's fucking great like when she like i just remember like when i was a kid when uh bruce willis's character pushes meryl streep's character down the stairs and like the fall and the the crazy like all all the shots like the like the 50 shots of her falling yeah oh my Um, god then and then the shot of her like setting like bruce in the foreground and then like her in the background and she's slowly like Moves. That was a great shot. That was, that was yeah, great. fucking great. This movie had a lot of 90s lighting in it, uh, which mm-hmm. I think we can see that style. It's very like, this doesn't seem like it's happening in reality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Weird light sources and all that, which we've seen in other 90s films, but done in a way that felt like... Um, artistic and so I was fine with it uh because there were these harsh shadows on people's faces and it felt almost like this gothic move this gothic movie about like you know the pursuit of youth and I did love that and I do want to say that even though Ernest is a trash pile I thought Bruce Willis played him great Bruce Willis did a great job with him yeah Bruce Um, Willis I like I loved his screaming, his ah, like all of his lines that he like screamed or squealed. Like it was just he's so, so funny. pathetic. He did yes. so good with that. Like he because I feel yeah. like and I not to criticize this man and his choices in life, but I feel like in later in his career, he's like created this persona where he has to always be the strong macho guy. And like I like that in this movie, he was able to take that and swing onto a, a different pendulum where he's just like yeah. a sad pathetic sack um yeah. it's like a yeah. reverse jason bateman <laughs> where jason bateman is always a sad pathetic sack yeah. bruce willis is inverting that kind of like what in the even in this time would have been that like archetype for him of the macho guy who can do no wrong like he's really swinging to the opposite and i think he did a really beautiful job with it yeah i agree yeah. Um, all right, who's got another? Anybody other po- points, you guys, or scenes, or anything? Uh, what do you, what should we talk about next? Yes, Sarah. Goldie Hawn getting thin and appearing as like a like all done up and red at the book. Uh, what was it? Book signing, book her book signing for yeah. like her weight yeah. loss plan or whatever it was that she had. Yeah, what whatever book she had put out. Um, forever young book yes Yes. yeah 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 what do you what did you think about that sarah so yeah i i remember being a kid being like oh wow why why did she do that like what was uh what was the uh her her reasoning was she trying to get Ernest back like you know um and i also i wanted to ask you guys when did the first time you saw it when did you think that she had taken the 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 potion Great question. I think because I saw this movie so young, I didn't, I don't think I caught on until she gets shot. Okay. Because I, I noticed because she had the pin uh, on her dress um, okay. in the scene with Bruce Willis. Because uh, it was like, you know, Isabella Rossellini had made such a big deal of like putting the pin, pin on yeah. Meryl Streep. And then as I was watching it, I was like, is that a gold pin on Goldie Hawn's dress? And then I like, oh, yeah, this is know. great because you hadn't seen this movie and you're an adult person yeah. who can for you deal with foreshadowing. So good. So you yeah. saw the pin. Yeah, yeah, I saw the pin on her dress because it was the only accessory she was wearing, I think. I don't even think she had yeah, jewelry it was solid, on. It was literally just yeah. the pin. And so nice. I was like, okay, figured that out. So I, you know, me watching it and seeing that, I assumed she took it, you know, shortly after leaving the mental health facility you know and or whatever I mean she had to give all everything she had she said so I don't know where but also Isabel Rosalina says I will uh, like it depends on the person how much I'll take yeah right 
And it was also like something. Yeah. And it wasn't it. So she got, if the timeline is what I'm remembering, it was seven years and then she was in the mental health facility and then she was out and then it was seven more years until the book signing. Yeah. So if that's the case, like, you know, she had seven years to save up some money and take the potion and all that. Well, and and it had to be far enough away that she had written this book Mm because, I mean. So I remember when I was a kid thinking that Isabella Rossellini's character was the devil Mm. and thinking that because we didn't see a price that Mm. it maybe was a person's soul or like something they'd have to like exchange like because we didn't actually see a number it's like what if it wasn't that's true I guess it was like that's I never thought of that yeah um Meryl Streep does write write her check yeah she does write her check uh but I think in a way the I mean, the punishment is eternal life. That's the punishment. And if you right. can't take care of yourself, you're stuck in this rotting body, basically. That doesn't rot, but breaks. Yeah. Excuse me. Well, excuse me. I thought that, uh, bless you. I thought that they didn't rot because of the formaldehyde. Because didn't he pump her full of formaldehyde after she died and fell down the stairs? He like went and got a bunch from the thing and it was like in the trunk of the car. Sure. Um. I thought that was why they didn't like rot, but their skin was still peeling off and like turning gray great, and all that stuff, you know? Great point. I don't know what the rules are. That wasn't very I, clear because she doesn't like it when they break something, it seems like it stays that way unless it gets popped back into shape. Uh, I don't right. know what sort of, uh, you know, t- t- tissue situation was required to fix that hole in uh, Helen's stomach. But yeah, I'm not really sure. It, their skin changed. Uh, I thought the pe- I always took the peeling to mean that that was the paint peeling off. Yeah. Okay. But but they weren't honestly they weren't very clear about what the rules are there. Uh, the yeah. te- their temperature changed. They have no heartbeat because they're dead. But uh, yeah, they weren't clear on. I if the body doesn't die, then I guess it wouldn't rot. But it certainly would be misshapen, and they kind of shatter. Right into pieces at the end yeah but yeah maybe yeah. the formaldehyde would cause that i don't know i'm not i don't know much about undertaking i don't either <laughs> uh i don't not know that familiar. the people in this movie do either uh the people that wrote no. this movie no, <laughs> no. They literally shatter like ceramics uh when they fall down the stairs um yeah so i do want to talk i'd love to talk about that scene with Isabella isabel rosalini i think we should we might as well just Which one? skip right to there. The first Which one. one. The so one. Okay. Madeline uh, sees Helen at the book signing. Helen is looking, Goldie Hawn is looking fucking radiant. Um, I I think this movie really shows you what makeup and lighting can do. Because yes. they do their best to make Meryl Streep look ancient. Like mm-hmm. literally the whole time I was like, she doesn't have that many lines under her eyes now. Mm-mm-mm. Like Exactly. I was, I mean, yeah. I was, I was shocked. I was like, they, made, uh, they was, try to make everything look saggy. They made her hair very dull. Like they did a whole right. thing. Uh, and, the, and of course they did the same with Goldie Hawn earlier in the movie where they put that mm-hmm. weird wig on her and yeah. of course the fat suit and all that. So, yeah. but like the, like, honestly, the transformation when she drinks the potion really, I think is just like, oh, now she's got normal makeup on <laughs> like the, the, they, and they lit her night. Well, uh, that was all the change, but yeah. So Isabel Rossellini, uh, what do we want to, what can we say about her? Of course she's tempting. I want that top. I can say the that. Jewels, yeah. I'm just picturing just her jewels. in the makeup room getting the jewels glued to her tits every day. And I'm like, I would wear that shit. Oh, yeah. In a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, she looks God. amazing. She really does. You guys know who is her who her mom her mom is? Who? I'm trying to remember. It's somebody um Sophia Loren, right? Ingrid Bergman. Oh, that's right, 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 oh. right, right. Yes. She looks just a lot, lot like her too. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. she's Hollywood royalty or uh, mm-hmm. foreign film royalty, I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I also, there was something in me that made me feel like she, cause she's 38 and she looks fucking incredible. She looks 22. She looks so good. <laughs> um, And I was like, wow. Cause I, one of the things this movie did touch in me is the idea that I'm an actor who continues to age 
Only I'm not Meryl Streep. So I haven't had my big break, right? Like, uh, so I am constantly, and Sarah and I have discussed this. So I'm writing this feature right now. And I'm writing this sort of like romantic lead for myself, which is something I've never really done before because it's always been like just a thing that feels very like I'm not that kind. I'm not that I'm not romantic lead material. Somehow I've led myself to believe this. But also I wrestle with the idea of like by the time I get this movie funded, how what if I'm 42, 43? What if I'm 45 by the time I get this movie funded? And I'm like. I am I should I even be allowed to be in this movie even though in my mind what I want is for women in their 40s to be able to be a romantic lead and to be desirable or have love feelings of love and sexuality represented on screen and yet I feel that uh that that pressure that like I'm running out of time like I feel that even though Mm -hmm even though I'm fighting against it, literally because I'm writing this movie, I'm fighting against that, you know? It, it also reminds me of that sketch um, from Amy Schumer's show, uh, yes. The Last Fuckable Day. Yes. Fuckable yeah. Day, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and because they talk about Sally Field in it, um, how in one movie she plays someone's romantic partner and then literally the next movie she did, she played his mom. Yeah, and so in Punchline, like- she was his romantic <laughs> interest and then in Forrest Gump, directed by Robert Zemeckis, she played his mother. Yes, yes fuck so that's so just, true yeah and it was just you know at a certain point like hollywood's just like you're a mom now and it's like mm-hmm. but you should be able to play those roles still i mean that's mm-hmm. i mean george clooney does matt right matt damon does you know I also, I also think there might be this like reclaiming of romantic comedies coming on the horizon you know mm-hmm. like um i've been working on the waltz with ava davis um yes. which is you know Looking about a trans script. lead it's yes. a great script and yeah. so like you know I just I think we're starting to get ready for things like that I think like I mean Amy Schumer's movie what was uh what was the name of that Trainer? where she played the yeah where she was the the lead you know mm-hmm. it's just I think we're starting to get there and see different people in these roles which is important and exciting because like your life doesn't end at no, 35 it doesn't. you know it doesn't and then pick up again when you're allowed to be play grandma roles right uh, yeah, there's a whole space of life in between there. And uh, there's this book that I'd like to recommend to our listeners, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, called The Wrong Kind of Women, uh, uh, written by my, Naomi McDougal-Jones, where she kind of talks about how Hollywood has traditionally been this place that's been very hard for women to break into as actors and directors. Um, and one of the things she talks about is how men, the most uh, common age for men to get an Oscar is between their 40, in their 40s and 50s, because they okay. have gone through all this personal growth and so they're getting these really meaty roles where they're getting these amazing parts right and but that women those roles are absent for them because around in their 20s now they're jumping into mom roles maybe and then there's like hardly there's not very much for them until they get back up into their 60s or 70s and so there's this whole uh, part of their lives when men are getting these amazing roles getting all these like awards and accolades because they've grown as people and as artists and that women are not getting those same opportunities. And so I think it comes down to what you just said, which is people putting their own stories out there and telling Mm -hmm. them their way and saying, look at this. This is about me. This is about you. This is about us. We don't have to just have this only this certain type of story. Uh, welcome to Plug It Up. This is the part of the show where we talk about all the cool things that our guests are up to and that we are up to. And uh, so let's start with Hillary. Hillary, what would you like to plug? Um, well, I am going to be on an episode of Badass Boomer Babes, which is a Whoa, podcast. I am writing that down. <laughs> yeah. And you'll love it because it's hosted by Patty Forehand. Oh, I love um, her. She's so amazing. So she's a, a comedian out of South Georgia um, that we met through uh, our stand-up comedy class. And she's just absolutely phenomenal and just started so a new good. podcast. Yeah. So I'm going to be on that uh, in March talking about dating. Um, so very excited about that. And then um, also you can just follow me on social media at Hillary R. Heath. And it's Hillary with two L's. And then a middle initial R Heath, just like the candy bar. 
Yes. Hillary is always up to a lot of interesting stuff. So definitely follow her on all those socials so that you can stay up to date with what shows she's doing and films she's working on and whatnot. Um, cool. Uh, I, I'm going to plug the critical crop top YouTube channel, uh, because, uh, that's where you can find the vidcast for this podcast. So if you just go to YouTube, type in critical crop top, uh, there we are. Uh, you can also find the vidcast for the Adam and Andy podcast, which is the show that we were, that Sarah and I do where we just watch Adam driver and Andy Samberg movies. Uh, <laughs> I know it's absurd. Uh, but it's, we blame it on the quarantine thirst. Um, We'll always and blame the quarantine thirst. It's always and forever. And uh, of course, also we've got some brand new sketches coming out for Critical Crop Top uh, sketch comedy web show. We filmed them all virtually. Um, Sarah and myself and Melissa Knapp and Brandon Mitchell and Ava Davis uh, wrote and directed a bunch of these sketches and they're fun and cool. So check them out. Uh, and of course, you can also find us on social media at, at Critical Crop Top on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um you can find this podcast as well on Facebook and Instagram at Fem- Feminine Mistake Pod. And you can find us on Twitter at Fem Mistake Pod. Uh, we're always open to suggestions about what movie would you like us to do next on the show. Uh, we're open, but we don't get too cra- crazy. We're, we're open. <laughs> we'll consider it. We'll consider it. We'll put it in the little metal box and uh, we'll <laughs> shake it up once, once a couple times a year. Uh, thank you, Hillary, for joining us on the show. Uh, everybody, please come back and join us on the next episode where we will have part two of our discussion of Death Becomes Her uh, with special guest Hillary R. Heath. In the meantime, I hope everybody takes a nice, refreshing swim in a pond. Perhaps yes. with, without a hole in your abdomen. Yeah. <laughs>